Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the rightleftchronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins. Coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy. Welcome to episode six of Dueling Dialogues. I'm Connor Murphy out here in the Pacific Northwest with Grace Matthews in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, Grace. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's Friday. How are things up there? Uh, well, they're, they're doing okay. It cooled off a bit, but we're going to be back in the heat wave again this weekend. So, I, hey, I've got an update before we get into today's show. Uh, last week, we talked about some of the refugees sneaking across the border into Canada. And I have some updates on that. So in the last six weeks, uh, we have nearly 7,000 people have arrived into the province of Quebec Mm -hmm. via uh, New York. Oh, boy. Yeah. And came across an article in the Star, how the liberals are misleading asylum seekers who are crossing the border. And what the New Democrats are, are basically saying is that Justin Trudeau is luring these people and inviting them to basically enter Canada illegally. And the New Democrats are basically wanting the Canadian government to pull out of the safe third country agreement, which I didn't even know existed. Did you? Absolutely not. I okay. think you found something there. Yeah, so this safe third country agreement was basically a treaty between our our governments, the government of Canada, government of the United States, to better manage the flow of refugees and claimants at at our shared land border. So the agreement was made by a couple diplomats, uh, Bertin Cote, Deputy Head of Mission in Embassy of Canada, and Arthur E. Dewey. He's your Assistant Secretary of State for Population Refugees, and Migration, United States Department of State. So I don't know if those guys are still around or what's going on, because this was back in 2002, and the law was put in place in um, 2004. So under this agreement, basically any person seeking refugee status in either of our countries must make their claim in the first country they arrive in, either the United States or Canada. Unless, oh, they qual- unless they qualify for an exemption. So, for example, refugee claimants uh, who are citizens of a country other than the United States that arrive from the United States at the Canada-United States land border, they can only pursue their refugee claims in Canada if they meet an ex- exemption under the, or exception under the safe third country agreement. So the New Democrats are saying, whoa, we got to pull out of this agreement. It's getting out of hand. The Liberals are saying, oh, we can easily handle the volume. Never been so high. 7,000 uh, asylum seekers in uh, six weeks. That's ridiculous. Well, one thing you can depend on is Trump's bold battle against undocumented immigrants and 
illegal immigration is he's not going to back down. Right. Trudeau's kindness is going to be tested by Trump's, I I don't really want to call it a war on immigration, but crackdown. Let's call it a crackdown on immigration. So this is quite a find. I congratulate you. Well, this is interesting. This is not even over, or not even close no. to being over. It hasn't even really started. So we're gonna need you to build a wall. <laughs> Are you guys gonna pay for it? No, you're you're gonna pretty much have to pay for that. Oh my uh, goodness, another wall. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, and Trump's <laughs> coming to Springfield, Missouri, to talk about things like walls and taxes. Oh my right. gosh. Yeah, that's going to go over well. So uh, this all uh, basically happened over a tweet. So maybe Justin Trudeau needs to lose his Twitter account as well. Well, he's been off on his canoe. I saw a cute little picture of him. He was all color coordinated, his life jacket, his canoe, his canoe, you know, his paddles. He was just canoeing around in baby blue. It was beautiful. Oh, he's all about the photo ops. This is what he said on Twitter. To those fleeing persecution, terror, and war, Canadians will welcome you regardless of your faith. Diversity is our strength. Hashtag welcome to Canada. Oh, my gosh, he did. I mean, that's like getting like one of those, you know, those gold sealed invitations to a party. Pretty much. So what the heck are you going to do with them up there? You guys have buildings. um... Well, here's the problem. And uh, in true Game of Thrones fashion, winter is coming. Yeah, and it comes harshly in yes. parts of Canada. <laughs> so, so far, Trudeau's solution is a tent city. Oh, good heavens. How cold does it get up there in tent city? In Quebec? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Probably frost the nuts on a brass monkey. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty cold. <laughs> I don't know what that saying means, but uh, so uh, I'm sorry I kind of hijacked the show here a little bit, but that's uh, okay. That's that's really interesting information, and that suggests that this issue is going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, I mean, who knew this uh, safe third country agreement actually existed? <laughs> Certainly not me, but I have a feeling not many true oh dear good job so what do we have on today's show well something that is near and dear to your heart should seattle and vancouver prepare for nukes north korea have a little piece to read here that i prepared is kim jong-un sane i'm going to share with you some interesting facts based primarily on an article by enh robertson phd published in psychology today in april of 2013 it is really the most comprehensive psychological evaluation out there i know 2013 sounds like a while back but that would have been about the time his father died and uh, he was he was taking over power that would have been about the time his father passed away Um, if you're like me your knowledge of kim jong-un has been limited to the information The media has provided. Until I did my own research, I believe that Kim Jong-un had never left North Korea. And that's just not true. 
According to Dr. Roberts, Kim Jong-un Kim Jong is anything but insane and is, in fact, I quote, rational. Dr. Robertson writes, the survival of his dictatorship depends on maintaining a sense of threat from the outside world and empowering his impoverished people with images of military power. The doctor, the doctor goes on to compare him to other nephrist dictators, even comparing him to a gang leader. But what is most interesting is the information he obtained from J.O. Michelo, the son of a Portuguese diplomat that was Kim Jong-un's closest friend. Um, yes, they did say friend. His friend, Mr. Michelo, described him as a fierce competitor. They went together, they were in school together in Switzerland. Believe it or not, he was a star basketball player. At five foot seven, I guess that's where that explains his bromance with Dennis Rodman. Reportedly, he is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be where that fascination comes from. Um, no word on whether he has any other similarities in behavior to Dennis Rodman, but reportedly he is quite intelligent and good at math, but he's lazy. He was lazy with his homework. Nevertheless, a proud countryman that listened to his country's national anthem repeatedly. His roommate said that he listened to it thousands of times. That that also kind of drives home the fact that this is something that they do in North Korea, is use repetition to make a point and to brainwash their subjects. It also makes you wonder if he might be a bit OC. His friend said he was close with his father. Uh, Dr. Robinson reminds Kim Jong-un is a god or at least a demigod to his people. In the brain, this is a drug-like reaction to power for both his people and him. Uh, quoting Dr. Robertson, Kim Jong-un is almost certainly feels godlike because of the drug-like effects of the chemical messenger dopamine. It is a key player. That power has on his brain. Power is an aphrodisiac, which casts a spell of charisma around the holder and it bewitches those he has power over. And if that be millions of people, so be it. A North Korean defected soldier claimed in an interview with the BBC that the citizens are told that the unfair persecution by that they are being unfairly persecuted by South Korea, Japan, and the United States, and that that keeps the country poor. Now, this was written in 2013. I believe that this suggests the country is not, if this was written today, I believe that the country is not nearly as poor as it was under the leadership of his father and grandfather. There are lots of signs that he has negotiated some excellent, excellent deals. He's made lucrative energy trades with the likes of China, and rumors suggest that Iran and others have been visitors to Kim Jong-un's bargaining table. His people are being are living better than they have in decades. Add nukes to the mix, and this dictator 
and his subjects are deliriously confident, not to mention the leader's ruthless inclination to behead anyone that doesn't fully support his regime. It has him receiving no information to challenge his beliefs. If people are afraid and want to make him happy, they certainly are going to tell him what he wants to know. Back to Dr. Robertson's assessment, he does conclude that although Un was a sane adolescent at boarding school in Switzerland with years of separation and the drug-like effects of the power, he is fundamentally changed by now and is now overconfident, blind to risk, inclined to treat others as objects with tunnel vision, narcissism, and a protected, and he's protected from anxiety. The doctor goes on to point out the effects of dopamine in the front part of the brain distorts rational judgment, like weighing out cost and benefit or cause and effect. In conclusion, Dr. Robertson leaves us with a dark thought, but the most worrying symptom of power in the current crisis is its God effects. Gods are invulnerable. Gods are not constrained by laws of nature. Gods are immortal. We should be worried. And uh, I'd like to ask you to please go over to our site. We will have the, a link and the article from Psychology Today. Um, the title is The Winter Effect by Ann H. Robertson. It is a fascinating analysis of Kim Jong Kim Jong-un. Additionally, on our website, you will find an article by Alex Berezo, um, written on um, the 8th of August, 2017. The psychological profile of Kim Jong-un, would he really attack Guam? In this article, Alex cites the unit of personality and politics as a research project directed by psychology professor Aubrey Emiliman. The project's page dedicated to Kim Jong-un is, in my opinion, a cush, somewhat PC assessment of the dictator. From the article, I'm surmising the author feels the same. In these potentially catastrophic situations with nukes and possibly biological weapons, can we afford to be politically correct, Connor? To be totally honest, I, we, when we first talked about this, I wasn't worried at all until I started looking around and doing my own research. And this is a scary, scary situation. And it's not just me. This is obviously all of Canada. On Tuesday, a special committee met and discussed the issues with uh, North Korea and the possibility of, of, you know, missiles hitting us here on, on the West Coast. Absolutely. So they came up with the same conclusion that happened in 2005 when they last met, and that was the Harper... Stephen Harper was the his government in power then. And they basically decided to opt out of the um, missile defense system. Oh dear. Essentially, to sum it up, the Canadian stance on North Korea nukes hitting us here is duck, which means bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. Um, yeah, you, that's... 
You guys have been asking us forever to help with this missile defense system. Now, currently, we do have a northern defense system with uh, NORAD, but that is not effective in this situation. You guys have spent, I think, $40 billion already, and you guys don't really have much of a system in place yet. Here's the problem is there's nothing that's really super effective that can guarantee they can shoot down one of these missiles. Well, I, I have to go back to what I was saying earlier. We didn't worry too much about Kim Jong-il, but right. his son, Kim Jong-un, is really twice the dictator. His and people are. He is because he is somewhat intellectual. He is. He can even be charming. I mean, it takes a little charm to make a deal. You need some charm. Mm -hmm. He's got it. I think he could also eat twice as many donuts as his dad. <laughs> Apparently, he's a. He, um, had quite an experience eating French cheese, but that's another story for another day. It's rather gross. <laughs> <laughs> I can only guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He we don't need to go way there. Way too much yeah. cheese. Yes. So, you know, in a in a very short time, he has mastered what his father and his grandfather could, and the, and the, that's two important things: nukes and food. His people are eating better because. He's selling off energy, and um, I, I still say, where did he find the scientists? You know, North Korea and Iran, ironically, you know, met the race for nukes at the same time. It's obviously so, either coming from another country or who knows. I mean, everything's out there on the Internet. Yeah, I guess so. It's, I guess so. It's not unreal to think that they have not done this themselves i mean but, they've they've been working on this for a long time i mean up until a little while ago i think the longest range they said that they could hit with one of their missiles was was six thousand kilometers well we say a long time and i agree but he has managed to do this quicker than we can get health care tax cuts fast right. But he has an army of, of citizens as well as an army. I mean, everybody thinks he's a god over there. It's it's fairly scary. They think he has superpowers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure by now he thinks he has superpowers. So things have only recently gotten a lot more scary. I mean, at 6,000 kilometer range, that basically covers all of Russia, all of China, right down to the tip of Australia, and most of the state of Alaska. Correct. So, and, you at, know, they didn't 10, even know he was miniaturized. At 10,000 kilometers, that pretty much puts half the globe into range. So it could be scary for absolutely anybody. Um, yeah. And, you know, the fact that he can guide the missile is as, is as scary as it is to believe that he can't guide it. Where does it go when he can't guide it? That's exactly where we're at right now. He's saying that he's got a 10,000-kilometer range. Experts say that there is a very little chance that they have a guidance system accurate enough to, to strike a tech, you know, like a, a really precise target. But it's a nuke. 
How precise well, yeah. does he need to well, get? Well, you don't even need to be that. I mean, how many people were sick around the globe after Hiroshima? I, you know, there are doctors and scientists that will tell you that cancer would be almost nothing had Hiroshima never happened. It would be almost nothing today. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm not a scientist, but I have read many accounts especially about a decade ago, that was a very popular belief that Hiroshima unleashed cancer hmm. to monumental proportions. So you're right. But that is why, though, that Canada needs to be concerned. He's not going to shoot at Canada. But if he misses, even Los Angeles, you know, Canada could be the target, you know, by default. And so you guys had very little reason to prepare for this, except in the event of a misfire. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, also counts in nukes. You're right. You're right. We need to add nukes to that list. Well, I, I got really curious, and I, I wanted to know what probability or the odds were. So I did find a neat article by the Business Insider. And it's an article interview with Lauren Grego. She's a senior scientist in the Global Security Program at the Union of Concerned Scientists. So essentially, there's this group of scientists, they get together and they all discuss and calculate the, in this case, single shot kill probability. So they take all things into account. And it's unlikely to be higher than 50%, even in an optimistic conditions so that's a one shot but many don't think he's going to take one shot if he's going to shoot he's going to shoot all his missiles right that's that makes sense will he it it it's a scary thought um because he doesn't have a missile defense system and 80 percent of his army or um Military is within 100 kilometers of the DMZ zone with South Korea. So we know where he keeps stuff. Put it that way. So there, and it's, if he shot something towards the, we know that basically you guys would turn North Korea into a smoking crater. Because you have that firepower. Right. So. This is a lot of probability and, and guessing, but when all is said and done, it's a scary, uncomfortable, high percentage, like around 72%, which is a scary, scary thing. Well, that's pretty high. Well, and, and, and one thing that Dr. Robertson pointed out is that you, you have to look at him so high on dopamine you would have to compare that to someone that has has a cocaine habit. That is how he's operating day to day in this drug-like existence, a drug-induced existence that is simply based on the power and the dopamine that is released as an effect of the power he actually has. So he is essentially making decisions under the influence. So, you know, if you know uh, an old Coke addict, that um, that would be what you could compare his decision-making skills to. 
Yeah, well, all day, every day, somebody's probably pumping sunshine up his ass. There is no doubt about it. I mean, he, you know, he had his uncle killed. He had his half-brother killed. Yeah, he wouldn't stop it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. If you were, if you'll kill your family, you'll kill anybody. You know, there's there's no doubt about it. Here's what they're kind of saying: if they don't have the guidance system by the time they do have a accurate enough guidance strike system, by that time you guys will have some sort of missile defense system in place. They are guessing, and we'll just duck here in BC. Yeah. Well, I'm a little nervous about the upcoming Labor Day weekend because he, much like ISIS, loves symbolic days. You know, the last time he tested a missile was on the 4th of July. He, almost every time he's tested one, has been in some way symbolic or meaningful to the day. So my guess is he sends anything up. According to Trump's agreement with China, we have the permission to obliterate. And, and you know, nobody has any doubt that Trump would not do that in a Memphis minute. I mean, that he wouldn't give it a second thought. So I, I, don't, I don't know when this is going to come to a head. It could be here in about a week. Who knows? The Canadian um, answer that they came up with in this council meeting was essentially diplomacy. So I don't know what that entails. Sending him a truckload of maple syrup, maybe? Yeah, I have no yeah. idea. Do you guys have cheese up there? Oh, we got all kinds of good cheese. Yeah, you might want to throw some cheese in there. Yeah. You know, maybe some good chocolates, you know. Yes. That would win me over, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't nuke us. Yeah, yeah. Here's, yeah, here's gift... the heart-shaped box. Here's your gift basket. Yeah, here's your gift basket. Maybe we can get Rodman to deliver it. You know what? That's a great idea. He's oh. such a diplomat. Oh, and wait. He... Yeah, Trump already fired him, didn't he? Oh, that's oh. right. <laughs> it's a small world, isn't it? Yes, it is. Isn't it funny that all of these people are now players in this game of life? You bet. Oh, Grace. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Grace, I I think it's about time. Is it happy hour time? It's happy hour time. Okay, okay. All right, Grace. (laughs) Uh, You know, have a great weekend. And update us on that uh, Springfield meeting possibly next week. Absolutely. I will be doing that, you know. All right. You have a great weekend, Grace. You too. We don't always agree, but after all, life's a journey. Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed. Thanks for listening. Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the rightleftchronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins.